So it's interesting because this comes out at a totally different stage of your career than than when you started. You are much bigger and more established now than when you started this dream. If and when you want to go again, your whole approach to, you know, studios, Netflix, everybody is different. Like you're kind of a star now. Shit, I like where your head's at. (laughs) Gassing me up. I got low self-esteem. I'll take it. Do you really? I mean, like, the amount of love you're getting right now, movie, stand-up, TV show, how could the the self-esteem be low? I don't know. I say whatever your childhood was, that's what you're stuck with mentally for the rest of your life. Really? However you felt when you were 10, that's it. Forever. Forever. However nerdy and awkward you were between, like, the ages of, like, 10 and 12. That's you just so you, you're just unpacking that for the rest of your life. You feel twelve inside. Yeah, I think I feel three years old inside. Do <laughs> <laughs> my movie. I'm still. I think all adults were still coping with that phase. You're the, that's where you are, man. Like shit. Yeah, I think part part of my mind will will still cope with that. Yeah, you know, a little part of that awkward preteen insecurity mm-hmm. was like you know paints the picture and we're the sum of our experiences and lippity blue i'm not like the dalai lama is what i mean i'm not like self-actualized and i'm just like floating bliss just like in this eternal state of nirvana wherever i go i am i'm human eric andre is back with an amazing prank narrative movie called bad trip it's him little rel tiffany haddish pranking people and telling a story about love and the search for love it is hysterical it's on netflix and it's amazing to think about all the different ways that they create these crazy situations and make people act in bizarro ways i talked to eric about the film about feeling like he's 12 years old inside, about all the different ways that this could have gone wrong. And Lil Rel quit after day one because the first scene he did, he almost got killed. Shit is real when you're making a prank movie. Eric Andre is an amazing guest. I love talking to him. Brilliant comedian. This is an awesome conversation. You get half of it for free for the whole thing, which is fully worth it. Subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash show, And you can support us for $5 a month. You get the 60-minute versions of our Wednesday interviews, the Friday Patreon exclusives, and you get to help keep this show rocking and rolling in the free world. Let's get it. It's Eric Andre, the star of Bad Trip on Torre Show. So you made a movie. Made a movie. Did you make this before the Panini? The Panini. The Pandemic. Oh, the pandemic. Uh, yes. Before, yes. Before yes. coronavirus. We, we actually finished editing, like locked the cut April 2019. Oh, wow. Oh, and wow. And 
Then we're supposed to come out in the fall and they push to the spring and we're supposed to debut at South by Southwest 2020 and then the, the Panini. There's a lot of times when you made me laugh at stuff and I was like, why are you laughing at that? You're a horrible person. <laughs> I, I think one of the hardest laughs for me was when uh, your girlfriend ble- beats up the blind guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> and I'm like, why do I even find that funny? Like, it's so not funny, but it, it is funny the way you – But like, why, why, why am I even laughing at that? Why are you even putting that in a movie? <laughs> why? I, I don't know. I mean, it's in the eye of the beholder. I don't know why. Because it's absurd. Because it's it's beyond it's beyond the the realm of reality. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of improv in this, right? Yeah, I mean, there has to be because we're uh, interacting with real people. But within those interactions, there's like specific plot points. I know I, I need to get from the real people, and there's like right. you know specific things I need to do to set up the prank and pull it off. Um, but yes, then we improvise within that. Criteria. Yeah, like there's there's improv, but then there's this overarching structure of a of a fairly traditional narrative. G- guy loves a girl, and he's trying to get to the girl, and there's a another girl who's trying to kill him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tale is old as time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I, the king I, and I. I wonder what you like. Feel like you learned about humanity in you know, putting strangers in weirdo situations and then like leaving them like, what What would you do if you saw this happen or that happen? Like, what do you, what do you think you learned? I learned that um, black people want to help me a lot more than white people want to help me. Wow. <laughs> 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 no, I guess that's not, that's not, that's not totally true because um, in the honky tonk bar that, that, uh, especially that nurse um, came to my rescue. I would well, say, I would say this. This is what this is. This is Sasha Baron Cohen's quote when we when we, saw, when we showed him a rough cut of the, of the movie, and I thought it was way more articulate than I'm, I'm being right now. He said, "He he like we finished like showing him a rough cut. And as soon as it ended, he turned to me and he goes, you know, it's funny. My movies expose the evil of rich white oligarchs.'" Your movie shows the humanity and the good Samaritan nature of people of color and the working class. Interesting. And I was like, wow. And he just like, like as soon as the movie ended, he turned to me and like his giant computer brain put that beautiful. I mean, I, I think of the tall black guy who breaks up the fight, right? There's two people when, 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 when you're getting dangled, there's two black people who really step up like, don't do it. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy that was like, I, I didn't know I was going to be Samuel Jackson in the negotiator. <laughs> right. And the other one's like a serious Christian who's like, Jesus, like, oh, yeah. like he's incredible. Do they, but the tall black guy, I feel like, does the most physical, like, I am inserting myself, I am stopping this, I'm going to save these people. Yeah, you're talking about when Tiffany's hanging me off the thing, or you're talking no, about also the before, guy with the guy with dread. That uh, I don't remember. He had dreads, really tall, really skinny. Like like you and I think you and Rel were fighting. 
Oh yeah, when we're having our falling out. Yeah, the guy with the peace sign necklace and the yeah, dress. and he really like it, yeah. like he among them in the movie. He's the, one of the people who inserts himself the most of like I am stopping this from. Yeah, happening. he was incredible. I mean, like he really was invested in our ludicrous falling out, you know. But he was, yeah, I don't know. He was really, he was swept up in in our emotions. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. So are you saying you think white people didn't jump in because you guys are a group of black people or because oh, they're no, no, I, like- I, I, I already regret saying that. I take that back. I, that's not fair to say. I was, I was kind of making a joke. That's like what my sister said after she saw the movie. She's like, is it kind of like the takeaway that black people are way more <laughs> helpful and nice than white people? And, but that's not true. White people did help out, uh, 
uh, you know, in the honky tonk bar in that scene too, there was a, the first person that came to my rescue when the car was crashed was this sweet blonde middle-aged white woman. Um, but, uh, no, that's not the takeaway. In fact, in fact, I think the movie is a message of unity of racial unity and, uh, working class unity. I don't well, think I, 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 in the honky tonk bar, cause the film, the film ends like so many films and then you get, you know, a, a nice blooper reel, which is great. And it, and it pulls away some of the curtain, but it looks like one of the white guys in the honky tonk bar was going to beat you up or wanted oh, yeah, to beat yeah. you he up. Was yeah. I had one white guy that was going to kill me and one black guy was going to kill me. Um, <laughs> the honky tonk, the honky tonk guy. Yes. He was upset. He came late. Like I was already stinking up the bar and I started urinating all over the bar. And, uh, I think that was funny. And I was peeing like really close to his shoes. And that's right. funny. I mean, was but, he, did he, did he really like set off to like attack you? Yeah. We're going to uh, release a little extended, like deleted scene thing where he goes, um, like my security and my first AD jumped in and they're like, he's, he's just an actor. It's, it's a movie. He's acting. And he goes, well, your actor's about to end up in the hospital. He's, he, still the, he still thought the P rig was real. And then we were like, we showed him the P rig. We're like, no, it's a, it's a bladder. I'm controlling. And it's, it's just water. And, and then he calmed down and, and he was like, and then he's like, well, I guess you got to do a shot with me. You want to do a shot? And I was like, yeah, let's shoot uh, Jim Beam. He's like, Jim Beam, you some type of redneck from West Virginia? And I was like, no, but are you? <laughs> and then we did a shot. Then we, did, we both did a shot of Jim Beam, and then he was cool. So there's two instances, that being one, where you almost got beat up. He almost murdered. I mean, in the barbershop, me and Rel. And this oh, yeah. Was Rel oh, yeah. This, yeah, this is Rel. That was the first hitting camera prank Rel ever shot. That was day one of shooting. So we put our dicks in the Chinese finger trap and we went to this like hood ass barber shop and the barber took a knife out. The barber goes, you're lucky I didn't bring my gun to work today. I usually do. I just forgot it at home. And then he chased us out. Of the, we were like, excuse me, can we borrow your scissors? And he chased us. Uh, he did not think it was funny. And he chased us out in a murder rage with his knife. <laughs> and then we revealed... And he was so, like, oh, you guys are hilarious. After we were like, it's just a prank. It's just a prank. He's like, what? What is this? What's this on? This is great. So does, he, does Rel lose a little bit of his nerve when he, he almost gets. He, he quit the movie. So, the, so it, we had to like rope him back into the movie. So he just like walked away. He called his agent. He's like, I quit. I'm not doing this movie. I'm not going to get killed for a movie. This is fucking completely reckless and insane. <laughs> and then he told his reps he was quitting. He wasn't really talking to us. He called Tiffany Haddish to vent. He's like, Eric's going to get me killed. Uh, I don't want to do this. This is so stressful. And she started dying laughing and then finished the call with him, called me and she goes, yo, you almost got rel killed. And I was like, yeah, I felt embarrassed. And she goes, dude, I live for that shit. I want to be in your movie. I was like, what? And the woman that was supposed to play Rel's sister had just dropped out. She had a scheduling conflict with a TV show she was doing. So we just had that. It was like, a, it was a casting from the gods. It was like Rel's sister, the, the woman playing Rel's sister just dropped out. 
Rel vented. I almost got Rel killed. Rel vented to Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany was so intrigued by a near death experience that she offered her services as a as a movie star to 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 be in the movie. And we were like, "Yes, you're in." Then no hesitation. And then we were like, "You're Rel." But then how'd you get Rel back in the fold? Rel told me this just a couple weeks ago. I didn't even know. He told me it was his kids that talked him back into it. He called his kids. So he called his reps and he was like, I quit. Then he called his kids and he was like, should I do this movie? It's so scary and stressful. There's, these are real people we're messing with. And this guy took out a knife out on us. I don't want to. And his kids who are like, I, I want to say like nine and like 10 years old, something like that. 10, 11. We're like, yeah, dad, you know, this stuff is stressful. They were kind of like producers in a way. They were like, this is stressful, but the stress you're going through will be worth it because it's so funny to the viewer. And he was like, <laughs> That's so astute. I'm so astute. <laughs> I was like, your kid said that? He goes, yeah, my kid said that. I was like, I should have put your kid's name in the special thanks and like the credits. Right. Like, that's like more astute and like th- that nailed it like way faster than I ever but he wasn't talking to you like you aren't you guys buds like didn't he call you be like yo dude this is too much i'm out of here he was uh, no he was pissed at me well he talked to me the next day when he decided to do it again but like he was like having a meltdown and an existential crisis about it so he didn't want to talk to me because he knows all i'm going to do is try to talk him back into it he needed like uh he needed to decompress you know, from a near death experience, you know, it was, it was the first day. So I, I know and you're, and then we have our, like the, the, it's a prosthetic, but it's still like, you it's know, you're, thing. yeah. I you're, mean, within that, when you run on the golf course and the white guy is kind of like, just separate him. Like, I'm like, he's way under play. Like two people yeah. just ran up at you like that. And you're like, it's fine. guy. I'm like, what? I think when you have, I think when you're a dad and you have kids, you're, you're like part of your brain is just like, all right, my kid's got is in trouble, and like his, him and his friend got his penis stuck in a thing, and I got to get. I think like his dad brain was up at the top of that that scene, and then like I think when I called him Harvey Weinstein or so, or like, well, easy Harvey Weinstein because he's like touching <laughs> our dicks or something. Yeah, I was like improvising in the moment, and then he was like, I think he was like, fuck you like i'm trying to help you out <laughs> you're insulting me and then and i think we like hovered for a while too I, I think like in the edit we truncate some time to where he gets really angry but i think like our hovering too just made him like get the fuck out of here you're like fucking around <laughs> you're fucking up my golf game yeah you're fucking was, up my golf game. i know that you're crazy and you'll do anything was there any moment where you were like maybe i have Bitten off more than I could like. Maybe this is like a little crazy. Uh, it kind of feels like that every single day. <laughs> I mean, that's like the normal feeling. You know, it's very uncomfortable filming these pranks and meddling with real people. It's um, it feels very awkward doing it. I don't know. There's something about it. So, no, I mean, we we kick the tires on every scene multiple times. Like we'll write and rewrite and rewrite and add gags and add, we'll add a bunch of little pranks leading up to the big prank. And 
refine the big prank in, within the scene and I'll like kind of rehearse it from my producing partners and my director over and over again in our offices and kind of like walk through the beats over and over and over and over and over again. But so by the time that we're pulling it off, we've like kind of um, given, given it a good like 360 view to see if it's in if it's funny, if it makes sense, if it drives the story forward, if it's, yeah, um, there's good, bad taste and there's bad, bad taste. And we're always, <laughs> threading the, we're always like threading the needle of that to, as well. So, um, we never want something to feel mean spirited or malicious either. Right. Um, except for Tiffany's pranks. Cause she's the bad guy. So her, she could be as like kind of hardcore and malicious and, and you know, uh, she didn't have to, Oops. When she's when she she's sympathetic, we had to be. Me and Rel had to be sympathetic. When she, what was she was screaming at some white guy, like, "Where are they?" And he's like, "I don't know." Oh yeah, 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 Craig. <laughs> she yeah. really got him revved up nicely. Oh yeah, that well, that was the best because that prank we almost didn't do because it requires a little bit more explanation than a normal prank, which is we had that guy, Craig. We his friend was an accomplice and his friend, we were like, we want to do a prank on your friend. Tell him to be at that Starbucks, like be on the corner of whatever, whatever that street corner was at six o'clock and give us his, this is all like behind the scenes. This isn't even, this is just how we produced it. And, uh, we got the guy's Facebook. We found out his first and last name, where he works, what year he graduated, what high school, and we crudely photoshopped an image of him off his Facebook. I think that's his Facebook profile pic. And we slapped it into an image of um, Rel and I, and we gave that to Tiffany as a prop. So Tiffany knew his name and <laughs> Tiffany's wearing an earwig when we're doing that prank. So we're like feeding him, feed, feeding Tiffany, that guy's name, feeding her um, like, like where he works. So even not in the cut, she's like, yeah, you work at Sun Valley Pharmaceuticals, right? On 27th Street? He's like, yeah, how the fuck do you know that? Like, he was super on the hook because we knew we had, a, like behind the scenes, we had, we had his friend as an accomplice giving us like a ton of information on him. So we almost didn't do that because it requires that explanation. But it, it, yeah. it, we tested it and it like it works so well with the test audiences. And, and then we would show up for friends. We would do little like friends and family screenings. And it always got a laugh that... It was just people didn't care. People knew it was a real guy getting revved up, and they knew we got that picture from somewhere. And yeah, he was incredible. When she was manipulating the cop, and like, I want to kiss you. Can I kiss you? <laughs> <laughs> that freaking killed me. That was incredible, and that's the first and only time I have we have successfully gotten a cop to sign a release form. They oh wow, ever he was so charmed, and I think it's Tiffany Haddish. And when it was revealed that it was Tiffany, he was like, "Oh, I like he put the pieces together." He was so charmed by her, and it's kind of like her only benevolent prank that. Uh, and I think he like kind of like not plucked at his heartstrings, like like fluffed up his ego. He was like, "Yeah, I yeah. got it." You know what I mean? That he yeah. like. Only cop I've ever seen sign a release for. It was fucking incredible. We're like, thank God, because that really makes the scene. But that's like half the game, right? To pull off the prank and then to get the person to sign the release. Yeah, yeah. We are, we had it down to a science on the movie. They were, we were a hell of a lot better at it on the movie than um, Eric Andre show. We're not, we're, if you watch Eric Andre show, you see a lot more blurs 
Uh, <laughs> it's just like it's just like three 21 year old interns like running ch- chasing people down on the subway begging them to sign a release we had a much more complex release pa team this so, uh, so, so do you have earpieces for yourself for rel like all throughout the whole thing not all the time but yes sometimes it's just you need to put an earwig in in my ear and rel's ear and, and tiffany's ear not just for like, okay, here comes the person you're about to prank. Not just that information, but also just like the cameras are hidden. So like, what does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And there's no such thing as a, a rehearsal because you're, you're dealing with real people. So, like, literally, there's, like, blocking directions being put in your ear where it's, like, my director would be, like, you're covering up the main camera. Just, just sit back in the bus chair. Uh, okay, now wait. Now deliver your line. So, like, we can't do a blocking rehearsal. There's, like... Am I, am I, there's just times where my director needs to communicate with us. So, um, yeah, there was earwigs in a, in a few of this. Hey there, this is Christina Gonzalez, and I'm so excited for you to check out my new podcast, Politics of Food. On this show, we explore the political, economic, and social implications of food creation and consumption, both locally and worldwide. Should we eat first or should we protest first? Like, okay, <laughs> let's organize, let's talk to the press, let's get our word out, and then let's sit down and eat. Follow Politics of Food with Christina Gonzalez at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. The big thing that I took away about humanity in general from this is that um, if you put people in bizarre situations, most of the time they're going to do nothing. Most mm-hmm. people will be paralyzed and frozen. And I think like when a big emotional interaction like or, or, or reaction arises, you kind of freeze and you process. You're like, somebody's hanging off a building. Somebody's doing something totally socially unacceptable. And you kind of stop, like, huh? And then, like, maybe after the moment's over, then you have a big emotion, like, wow, that was crazy. Can you believe that happened? Can you believe you saw that? But, mm-hmm. like, in the moment, they're, mo- like, 
it seems like 95% of the people in these moments just freeze. Like, yeah. what? Well, there's like, a lot of when you drive the car into the gallery, they're like, what? There's a lot of processing. There's a lot of, like, the, the situation is so absurd for, you know, comedic value that there's a lot of, like, is this real? Is this real? This can't be real, but it seems to be real. This must be real. Is it real? So I think like we call it pinwheeling. It's when people are like, like the computer in their brain is frozen and they get the little like circular rainbow beach ball in their brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they're just like <laughs> processing and we won't, we won't reveal it's a prank until the very, very end, until we've gotten every single reaction we could possibly mine out of the person. So it'll go on a long time. Sometimes a, a two-minute scene in the movie went on for like an, an hour or an hour and a half. Oh, like wow. The, when I'm talking to the guy on the bus bench right before I, I dive into the musical and start singing about Maria. I talked <laughs> to that guy for like 90 minutes before I got like uh, that piece of exposition out of him where he's like, I say, just go for it, man. You can't live your life saying, what if I would have, what if I could have, what if I should have just, you know? And then he was like, he's in love. Like that two minutes in the movie took me like an hour and a half just to get, cause we didn't want to fake a single reaction. We didn't want to prank somebody and then go, can you say this line afterwards? We wanted every single interaction and reaction to be completely genuine. So, um, Yeah. How often are you doing a given moment or prank multiple times? Like you showed us like the, the initial scene. You did that, what, at least three times, right? Yeah. With, with three different pranks. What, what do you refer to them, prank ease? Like what do you refer to the, the – the, Oh, you say marks. It's like a card. Marks. Okay, okay, okay. So what do you like, – like there's at least three marks. Like are, is every scene like done with like three, four different people? No, not all the time. Like the honky-tonk bar, we only had one shot of yeah. um, the – or not the honky-tonk bar, but the line dancing bar, the cowboy bar. And then um, – the yeah the car uh the the vac the car wash vacuum scene yeah we had three shots at that so sometimes you get three shots sometimes you get one um i don't think we ever did anything more than three times the the maria beating up the blind guy we only had one shot at that depends on like where we're at in the scheduling and how much time one scene cost or took to set up it's it it's uh kind of obviously not a real blind person. No, that was a stunt guy. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah, a confederate. He's a plant. Yeah, he's not a mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that would. Yeah. Be, so, so that, that would becomes be unethical. Issue. That would. That's what we call <laughs> bad, bad taste. So that would. So that that. But that becomes a victim of like we have, we have so much time. We gotta. We gotta move on. So you can only do this once. Yeah, it just it's every day is totally different. It depends on it's case by case. It depends on the scene. The production needs of the scene and and how much and what 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 day it fell on and is there like how much is there like producers and security running around making sure that people don't call the police because there's lots of situations yeah. where I would think people would call the police. We would have like a um, we would either have my stunt coordinator or my producer. This this was the move. My my stunt coordinator and my producer would be like would be like on the outskirts. So they weren't in frame, but they were like within earshot of the marks and they would pretend they were on the phone and go, I'm already, I'm already calling the police. I already called 911. Take care of them. Take care of that guy. And they'd point at me and they'd kind of like escort me back. They'd escort the marks back into the, we call it the kill zone, like where I was, (laughs) 
where I was doing pranks. So it'd be like, don't worry, don't worry about nine one one. I'm on the phone with the nine one one operator. You handle the, the you handle, you know, Eric, Tiffany, and Rel. Um they that that's how we do it. But when Tiffany's driving up the highway mm-hmm. in a, a, a wrecked police car, mm-hmm. like Surely there must be people who are like, I can't see, but like that person's like, oh, this is not right. I'm calling the police. Oh, that we called the police precinct ahead of time. And we go, we're filming a prank movie. And we might have had an off-duty cop, like uh, undercover trailing her just in case she got pulled over. But you call the police department ahead of time, like we're doing this prank movie Tiffany Haddish, she's going to be driving around in a, in a picture car, in a cop car with, with the door off. If you get any calls about it, that's what that is. And then we had like a, like a undercover, like trailing her just in case that she got pulled over or got in any trouble. Um, so, wait, when she first escapes from uh, the prison uh, van, truck, um, bus, um, the brother helps her. Yes. But then he tells which way she went. I think he was under so much stress that he panicked. <laughs> I think he just like was trying his best not to snitch. And then he was like, I don't want to get in trouble too. I'm not going down. Like I'll do my best to not snitch, but what can I say? He, he, he wrote the line. He said, go that way. He didn't give all the details. Right. Right. Go that way. But he was, <laughs> he was stressed. <laughs> he was under a lot of pressure. He did seem to be under a lot of stress. I mean, you put people under a lot of stress. It's, fu- yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of funny. It's kind yeah. of, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. why, why do this? Why, why do this sort of a, big epic prank movie you could you know i'm you're brilliant you come up with ideas all the time why not just script something out and do the eric andre crazy movie why why do it like this well uh, i think this was i think this was the eric andre crazy movie this was like a an extent- it was definitely that but i mean like i mean you could do an eric andre scripted crazy movie and yet you chose to do it this way why i think like the, the there's a lot of comedic actors doing scripted movies. There's little to no one doing a narrative outside of Johnny Knoxville and Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, there's little to no other comedic actor willing to do a narrative uh, hitting camera prank movie. So I think it's um, unique. I think there's something universal. We're doing like incredibly well uh, internationally. So I think there's something universal about like not just physical comedy, but like prank comedy. I think like any, everybody of all ages can like um, uh, kind of relate and understand a prank. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think like, the hardest I ever laughed in a theater, I think, is the first time I saw the the first Borat movie, yeah, uh, whatever it was, fifteen years ago, and 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 Jackass movies. That's like gut busting, primal laughter. So I'm a sum of my influences. Those guys are, you know, heroes to me. So I think I just wanted to kind of follow in their footsteps, um, and also make the first kind of uh, uh, people of color. POC, uh, yeah, 
hidden camera prank movie. Because with Borat, there's there's something real to it. So there's stakes. Is that mm-hmm. part of why that means so much more to you than like a any sort of regular comedy? Yeah, film? it's kind of like the highest stakes. Once you do hidden camera, it's so high high stakes. It's kind of hard to go back to scripted, just like actors talking to each other. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just I think yeah. like I've carved out like a unique position in comedy and and got good at the pranks so i think um it just felt like felt like the natural evolution of the eric andre show in in movie form and like budget feature form you know For more from me and Eric Andre, especially talking about how he feels deeply insecure like a 12-year-old inside, like his 12-year-old self never fully leaves him. That's a crazy part of the conversation. Join us over at patreon.com slash show. Thanks so much to Eric Andre for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Dr. Keena Murphy, Earl Dorsey, and Theotokos. Tour Ratio gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. This show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. And, of course, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jakey Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Sean Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests Because the man can't shut us down.